welcome to a new episode of Ghoul's Night In, the spooky chat show with your best ghoul friends. I'm Penny Snark. And I'm Midge Munster. And today we are going to talk about uh, kind of one of my weird fascinations that I'm very excited to delve into, and that is the history of circus sideshows. Um, and before we, yeah, <laughs> before we dive in, I do want to, of course, say that uh, there may be some outdated language in this when referring yeah. to certain acts and things. <laughs> um, obviously, these are also called freak shows. Um, we'll get into a bit of that, uh, how that language, you know, changed and how people perceive that. And um, of course, yeah, there are terms for different types of folks that are not necessarily PC anymore that were used to describe acts. So <laughs> uh, please bear with me for historical accuracy. But um yeah, I want to just talk a bit about, uh, this is some uh, a chapter of human history I just have always found fascinating, and uh, also kind of I want to have the conversation of exploitation versus empowerment for mm, some of these yes. folks who worked these jobs. So uh, I'll start out with a little bit of the, the history behind this. So uh, it dates back as far as the 1840s, actually, which I, I didn't realize it went that far back. Um, and it this type of entertainment became really popular as the industrialization era kind of started happening in America. This allowed for leisure time, which a lot of people had not had significant leisure uh, time to spend before industrialization started. And as this happened, people began looking for different forms of entertainment, different ways to fill the time. And uh, one thing that kind of sprung up from this was dime museums, which were kind of um, expositions of oddities, uh, wild animals, you know, curiosities, yeah. things that couldn't be seen anywhere else. And uh, kind of our big player in this was P.T. Barnum. Of course. Um, of course. <laughs> um, and he starts what is the most popular of the dime museums called Barnum's American Museum. And uh, it was really interesting learning more about him, too. Just what a, a marketer he was. Like, he really was, you know, like <laughs> the greatest showman. <laughs> uh, one might even say. One might even <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, learning about how he was really the reason this form of entertainment took off and how how he would, you know, basically generate word of mouth by, you know, having people like paying people to go out and like yell at people. Oh, my God, I saw this amazing thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, like real guerrilla marketing. He was kind of a It's, a it's like influencers, right? Literally, he was the first <laughs> the first big influencer. Um and so his first big exhibit, uh, the Dime Museum is a, originally kind of a, a museum, but Barnum realizes there is a, an opportunity here for live entertainment. And his first big exhibit, exhibit excuse me, uh, is a woman by the name of Joyce Heth. And the claim here <laughs> is that she was 161 years old. All right. And that she was George Washington's nurse when he was a child, like his um, birth his, like, nurse. Nanny. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, and so she, people would pay to come in and hear her tell stories, to hear her, she would sing songs, and basically just to marvel at this 161 year old woman. 
Now, later, <laughs> after she passes, uh, medical examiners found her to be 80 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. I know, this is, right? This is a shocking twist, and I'm very uh, disappointed. <laughs> I wasn't ready. I had no idea. Um, but the interesting thing that Barnum finds in this situation is that people didn't really care. People didn't really care that they had been bamboozled. Yeah. Barnum didn't really care that she wasn't what she said she was. Uh, and he discovers, like, people will pay for the entertainment and the shock value, uh, even if the claims are maybe not what they appear to be. So he decides, of course, how am I going to capitalize on this? <laughs> uh, he turns the museum into an entertainment center at that point, completely revamps it. It becomes... Uh, an exhibit for live, you know, alive. Um, and some of the most popular exhibits are the Fiji mermaid. <laughs> oh, yep. I'm familiar um, with that one. Yes. Which, uh, if you aren't familiar, was created by sewing a monkey's torso to a fish tail. Uh, this kind of reminded me of the Hodag situation. Oh, yeah. Where for sure. He made like the puppet. <laughs> yes. um, so, the, yeah, he's got the Fiji mermaid. As far as live acts, um, some of you may be familiar with Chang and Ang, the the Siamese twins. They were a very famous uh, duo, and I definitely had heard about them many mm -hmm. times. And then a uh, a woman who was a giantess from <laughs> uh, from the the Euro Eastern Europe. She was like I think like seven foot two or something. Um, so those were some of his popular things. Um, and, and then the kind of the like one of the most famous sideshow acts of all time is a gentleman uh, who Barnum found him as a very young boy and he never grew past a, like two feet tall. Mm -hmm. um, but he was very perfectly proportioned. Otherwise, he, he looked like a miniature man. And so uh, Barnum basically raises him to and trains him to become this world class performer and renames him Tom Thumb <laughs> mm -hmm. after um, after Tom Thumb and then gives him this um, title of General Tom Thumb to appeal. Uh, he makes him an Englishman in this uh, performance act because uh, I guess that was very hot at the time, European oh, yeah. entertainment. I mean, tiny Americans are a dime a dozen. <laughs> um, but he really, I mean, he grooms General Tom to be this really world-class performer and they go on tours and it's uh, by the time that he passes away, Tom Thumb, at 46, he is a millionaire um, and was, you know, really well-renowned across the globe. And most of the performers uh, that worked for Barnum at this time were paid very well. They were boarded in the museum. They had their own rooms upstairs. And, uh, you know, it, it was kind of a, a really good life situation for them, yeah. honestly, uh, at the time. But uh, after Barnum's death, uh, well, actually, sorry, rewind. So <laughs> as he's touring with uh, Tom Thumb, he realizes, like, there's a real market for this as a touring act for, you know, the, the American Museums in New York. People can come see it. But he's like, I want to take this to the masses. So he teams up with a little, a little guy named Bailey. <laughs> maybe mm -hmm. you maybe you've heard of him mm -hmm. uh and that is where the barnum and bailey greatest show on earth is formed bailey is touring his you know big tent circus acts and barnum basically 
tags off of that to do his sideshow and he'll have the the acts of the freaks outside to entertain people while they wait to get into the circus um of course (laughs) this is you know controversial but at the time very very popular so uh then after burnham's death people start mimicking you know his his pattern they they realize how successful he was with this and we start seeing uh freak shows all over the united states specifically um at amusement parks and uh, as those start popping up in a major the major cities again looking for new sources of entertainment we start seeing a lot of uh, you know the first ferris wheel and roller coasters popping mm-hmm. up everywhere and uh the freak show group tags onto this and of course this is where coney island becomes what we think of coney island as today um the first big coney island park to have their own freak show was dreamland and the uh, owner samuel gompers was uh really credited with making the like coney island experience what people remember it as Mm. um (laughs) <laughs> he made a place in dreamland called midget city Love uh, it. <laughs> great <laughs> sounds good <laughs> yeah um and but it was built to scale and there were 300 little people who lived there year round um and so he he gave them this city to live and everything was you know made for them basically yeah um unfortunately dreamland did burn down um but Samuel Gompers, being the entrepreneur that he was, uh, before they had even like cleared the rubble <laughs> of Dreamland, I saw one guy talking about this on a, a History Channel interview. He said, uh, "He said the ground was still too hot to walk on, and no. Gompers, Gompers was already in there uh, building up the like the sea, seaside." sideshow he was uh and this is where i think what we what i at least think of um when i think of like quote freak shows you know the 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 banner lines with the the big graphic illustrations which many Mm -hmm. of those are still standing in coney island today um this is where the real heat of this entertainment uh starts up and people are very excited about it Lots of other people try to follow suit, starting other freak shows in this area on Coney Island, and uh, <laughs> they actually they they can't secure enough performers. So this is where people start faking a lot of things, yeah. uh, you know, Siamese twins that are bound together by like a, a girdle under a giant dress kind of situation. <laughs> um, but it, it becomes very very popular until we start getting the advances in medical science and people realize that these quote freaks are actually, you know, human beings with medical afflictions. Yeah. Um, and that begins the, the decline of the freak show. Um, the, the height of them was right in between like the world wars. And then we, we start to see it taper off pretty, pretty rapidly. Um, not only from the the moral implications, um, because actually a lot of people <laughs> tried to shut it down for moral reasons and were unsuccessful. Um, but eventually, the, just the cost of keeping this up, uh, room and board for all these entertainers, and you know, insurance and like all this, all these many aspects, the cost of renting ground at the fairgrounds, etc. 
uh, just becomes too much and and most of them close down. So that is kind of our our up to now mm-hmm. <laughs> history of it. Um, and this is where, yeah, I guess I kind of want to bring up us to have a chat about this yes this uh again like the is it exploitation or is it empowerment because there were a lot of and i'm not saying one one answer is right Mm -hmm. or wrong um but a lot of these folks a could not get a traditional job at the time um and b a lot of the people did not want the people who performed did not want the shows to get closed down when people were getting really upset about the the moral implications of it the performers were like do not take this away from us yeah. <laughs> um i did see uh someone talked about the word freak was really a uh, a hot button issue in this and that in the community the choice of the word freak specifically means a person who has chosen this career. Yeah. Not, you know, not to be used for people who look like them, who are choosing to lead quote normal lives. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, I think like, like you said, it's definitely something that I think there's no right answer to. I did, watch back in the day um i feel like it was on a and e or something i watched um some kind of like documentary series about like a modern freak show mm-hmm. and like people who like are like yeah we're reclaiming this and like this is kind of what we're up to mm-hmm. and it was really interesting and i think like it's definitely true that you know there are a lot of people who did like performing and probably had a better life than they would have um, had they not been able to work as an entertainer. But I mean, obviously it speaks so much to the time that it was, you know, one of the only options for people. Like, absolutely, obviously, you know, there are still a ton of issues today, but it is some of, some of our like social advances have made it easier for, you know, people with, um, you know, certain disabilities or medical issues to live the life that they choose instead of being like, right. well, you can sit at home and feel like a burden or people can come and gawk at you. Right. Uh, <laughs> so no, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, like I definitely respect people who are like, yeah, you know, I have this thing that makes me different and I want to show it off. And like, mm-hmm. it, you know, makes me happy to perform and to do this. And I mean, I also, you know, you wonder, you know, how many of those people are like, Oh yeah. Like, I'm a great singer and the fact that I have this other thing like has given me the opportunity to be an entertainer when that's what I would have wanted to be, but maybe it's harder, you know, just to be an average non-distinctive person. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like your way in entertainment. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's, I mean, too, I, I, I mean, a lot of these folks, you know, I mean, I'm sure a like camaraderie of being mm-hmm. with other people who understand your existence, understand what you're going through. Like a lot of these groups were like families and many of them like got married and fell in love yeah. in these, in these situations. And I mean, it's like anything there's positives and there's negatives. Uh, but you know, it, 
I, I, I hate to com- compare it this way, but it's kind of what it brings up for me. It's kind of like, to me, the the argument that's being had about like sex work modernly. Oh, yeah. It's like, if that's the choice you want to make with your body and that's what you want to do, go for it. Like, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, like you said, if that's your only choice rather than sitting at home and doing nothing, then that sucks. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, I think that with, with even within that same analogy, it's like, the the focus of people should not be to be like hey you individual person needs to stop doing this it's mm-hmm. hey we need to make sure that the world is such that people are having a choice about what they want to do definitely yeah and there are i i found there are still a few um like modern freak shows um there's still a couple around there's one well one is this is actually interesting it's called (laughs) reynolds believe it if you're nuts um (laughs) couldn't imagine what that's a play on um but he actually is one of the last remaining like talkers from the like traditional sideshow days Mm -hmm. um so the the structure of the sideshow was like they would have a little ballyhoo stage out front um and with the banner line with all the imagery of like you know come see the bearded lady blah 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 um and then they would have a talker out front uh who would be like you know the the come on come all kind of guy um and they would have maybe like one or two of the acts out on the ballyhoo with him uh, to basically tease the show and get people to come in and buy right um so this man uh Reynolds is like that was his career and he was so like enamored with it when he saw mm-hmm. it the first time that he's yeah. like that's what I'm gonna do with my life and so he still to this day works on Coney Island and he has this exposition but it is much more of a like a museum it's a lot mm-hmm. of like you know things in formaldehyde uh weird taxidermy that kind of stuff there's no live acts really anymore um but there is a uh this is so this is what kind of what you were talking about there is a sideshow by the the seashore on coney island still and these are like folks who like you said kind of are reclaiming this for themselves and um they have you know just a, a variety of live performers who do different acts um but <laughs> it is really interesting too and and this other gentleman uh well, so Jim Rose Circus, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he was really like popular in the 90s. They did like a uh, rock and roll sideshow mm. type thing. And it's a lot of, you know, sword swallowers and fire eaters and all these, you know, I'm balancing a lawnmower on my head kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, though, talks about something interesting that like now in, you know, 2022, what it would take for shock value for people because a lot of his performers and same with the this uh sideshow at the the seaside a lot of these performers the shock value is like they had gauges or they were tattooed all over their face yeah or like you know things that in like the late 80s early 90s people were like oh my goodness what but now like you know everybody's tattooed (laughs) (laughs) like three of my cousins have gauges like it's 
it's interesting to think like, is that a type of entertainment that could even exist today? There, There's really, especially with television and things, there's just not a lot of things and CGI, like what's going to shock us so much that we would pay to see it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I don't know, I was kind of thinking um, as we were like talking about all this different stuff, just of like how much more visibility and control over like narratives that like disabled people have today. Like Absolutely. there are, you know, plenty. I see plenty of people on TikTok who are, you know, openly talking about, you know, what is going on if they look if you know part of their body doesn't look like what someone expects it to Mm -hmm. and just being like hey this is how I live my life and this is what's up with me and you know obviously you know back in back in the olden days when you only saw you know people in your kind of immediate Immediate vicinity vicinity. (laughs) yeah like it was like whoa this guy's super tall or you know like thinking about like lobster boy as like another classic sideshow you know his hands aren't like five-fingered hands but Mm -hmm. we see that now and also we see it hopefully I mean I'm sure some people still do not but hopefully you see it also with the humanity of that person right Um, yeah we're we're trained to see them I'm not trained uh, yeah like you see them as like oh that's a human being like a differently abled human being like that's yeah, not it helps uh, it makes it less shocking to be like oh yeah this is you know just one of the variations that people come in and it's not it doesn't have to be scary yeah and that's you know that's also like the interesting thing too though at least so i, I watched some interviews with folks who were part of sideshows mm-hmm. and for the most part, I mean, there were several, also several folks who chose to walk away from it at a certain point. But mm-hmm. for the most part, these accounts they tell, it's like it, they didn't see it as people like gawking at them or laughing yeah. at them. And I don't know. I just, I find it fascinating. I think it's, you know, especially like I said, in that time, was it like, is it good that that was the mentality at the time? Absolutely not. But if those people found power and empowerment and like reclaimed their identity by doing that, I think it is a really cool, interesting thing, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I think it's natural to be intrigued by someone who is different from you. And like, at the time, this was the way that you saw people who were different from you. And that's not necessarily like a bad instinct to have to want to be like whoa like what's that about yeah it's just it's it's they changed interviewed, <laughs> we've, <yeah>. we've <laughs> they interviewed this man who was like you know one of the the quote giants and he uh he's like you know people were calling me a freak by the time i was seven yeah he's he said at least at the like in this venue i got paid for it right <laughs> i was like yeah pop off bud get that money oh show <laughs> yeah i like and I mean, as you, you mentioned the the similarly named event, I mean, I have been, there's a Ripley's Believe It or Not in the Wisconsin Dells. Yes. So yeah. I have been there and like seen all of the, the weird bits and bobs. And actually, side note, while I was trying to look up like weird Wisconsin stuff for the mm-hmm. um, Odag in Wisconsin episode, um, I found out that there is the actual head of a German serial killer at the Ripley's Believe It or Not in Wisconsin Dells. What? Which is terrifying. And I I am glad, I don't think I realized that because I was there in like high school and I probably would have been really freaked out. Do you know which serial killer? Um, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but I will look it up for you. That's wild. 
yeah, it was very weird to see that. But yeah, like, I mean, and, you know, those are the kind of places that have like, oh, a Fiji mermaid, a two-headed calf. Right. And, Stuff like that in in jars and things. The fun fact, the gentleman, uh, Reynolds, on Coney Island has the original Fiji mermaid still. It is still on display on Coney Island. That's very Um, cool. But yeah, I actually had Ripley's in my notes because I think that was kind of the the thing of our generation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I I think the original show was in like the 80s, but I mean, there was a reboot in like 2004, I think. Yeah. I I remember very vividly and I remember always like looking at the Ripley's books at book fair and stuff yes. um i don't know the the human fascination with oddities is I, i've just always been fascinated and not even uh not even like human cur- like curiosities but just oddities in any sense i think is so oh, yeah. interesting I, could- I mean i'm i am hoping to go to oddities and curiosities expo yes <laughs> when it comes to milwaukee this spring and they do have like a Obviously, you know, it's it's primarily, you know, makers and creators of cool things, but like they also have like a traveling exhibit with it with cool. strange things. And I even now I think, you know, when we talked about the Haunted Mansion, they talked about having that Museum of the Weird was the like original yes. concept for it. Like people people love going and looking at weird stuff. Yeah, definitely. That's uh man, not that I'm not that I'm bummed. <laughs> Uh, but I got I got offered like VIP tickets to the Oddities and Curiosities Expo mm-hmm. in Kansas City this past summer, and it was the dates that I was in New Jersey for Spirit. Oh was, man! So oh. like I'm not not bummed because it was a cool like it was a great reason to miss. But I was like, dang, I really hope that they yeah. ask me back next year because it was so <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that's uh, there's still a lot of I, I wanted to bring up my my kind of last little point, just bringing it into today you know um there's still a lot of uh you know references in in pop culture and i mean obvious the the most obvious thing that comes to mind was 2014 american horror story did the the freak show season which i may be one of the seven people alive who liked that season (laughs) (laughs) i know that's like a massively unpopular opinion but i i really enjoyed it um and I think it brought a, a new wave of understanding because Sarah Paulson's character was based on real, I mean, well, actually most of the characters in that yeah. season were based on real people. Um, but Daisy and Violet Hilton, who were kind of the uh, the big, like Siamese twin act that existed uh, in the, like, they were in the late thirties, early forties, I believe. Um mm-hmm. But they are also the who the the musical sideshow is based on, uh, which is a great musical. If you're not familiar with it, go listen to the soundtrack. It's wonderful. Um, but it got revived in 2014, also right after American Horror Story came out, and uh, that was a really cool time. They really, um, there was a lot of stuff being written at that point to kind of telling the stories of these performers in a new light and like really explaining their side of things and what they went Mm -hmm. through both both positively and negatively and i i i hope (laughs) i hope that if this is something that interests you at all you will go read like accounts of Mm -hmm. these performers because it really is amazing and fat and these people were so resilient and went through so much and like made such a path for themselves it's really it's very cool (laughs) um but i would 
I also, if you liked Freak Show, American Horror Story Freak Show, <laughs> DM me. Let's talk about it. Nobody else liked it. Anyway. <laughs> I didn't see that one. Uh, yeah, I figured I figured that might be a little bit uh, overly spooky for you. I've, I've watched a few American Horror Stories. I'm not a, I'm not a big Ryan Murphy fan. You know what? That's valid. <laughs> <laughs> Even as a person who likes the show, that's yeah. valid. I I mostly watch it for Jessica Lange and that's Sarah fair. Paulson. <laughs> they are they are very that's I watched some of it because there were some, you know, very cool people and some cool concepts. Uh, but I, I did not make it that far. I was kind of like, okay, I've had enough of this. <laughs> that, that, that's enough. Thank you. <laughs> Well, that is all for my uh, little chat about circus sideshows today. Um, Thank you all so much for listening. If you are enjoying Ghoul's Night In, which we certainly hope you are, be sure to uh, leave us a review wherever you ingest your podcasts. Uh, We have one to read today. Ooh, Let's see what we've got here. We have from... I'm... I'm going to probably say this wrong. It might be Hallie girl. H-A-L-E-A. Halea? Hallie? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Sorry if I'm butchering your name. But the review says, Simply Spooky, five stars. I love this podcast. It's giving me life until October gets here. (laughs) I like how Penny and Midge do all the deep dives and research, but still keep it light on the seriously spooky details. I can't handle most horror films, but I love Halloween, so I appreciate this. More, please. (laughs) (laughs) relatable yes (laughs) thank you so much uh yeah we do do be sure to uh leave us a review if you want to have it read here live on the air yes (laughs) and if you would like to follow more details on what's happened over here at the pod you can give us a follow on instagram at ghouls night in pod and if you're looking for me you can find me across all platforms at midge munster And you can find me at Penny Snark. And that is all. Until next time. Goodbye.